0: On the 28th of November 1979, an Air New Zealand sightseeing flight TE901 crashed into the side of Mount Erebus in Antarctica. All 257 passengers and crew on board were instantly killed. At the time here in New Zealand, it seemed like everyone knew someone connected to the tragedy. I knew someone too. Over the years, we've heard a lot of stories about Erebus, the cover-up, the court case, the controversy, but here's some stories you might not know. Hi, I'm Lizzie Oakes, and when I was 10, I lost my nan, Muriel Florence Rose Harrison, to Erebus. 40 years later, I'm a broadcaster, and on this podcast, Erebus, engraved on our hearts, I'm speaking with others whose lives have been impacted by the disaster. Episode 4, A True Father Denise Roper was a young mum when she heard the news that her beloved dad, Frank Christmas, had died on the flight. In 2011, Denise went to Antarctica and was asked to read the poem Erebus Voices. Erebus Voices was written by Bill Manhire for the 25th anniversary of the disaster. It was read by Sir Edmund Hillary at the service at Scott Base, Antarctica. Sir Edmund Hillary was meant to be on board the fatal flight as a guide, but he had to pull out at the last moment. His good friend Peter Mulgrew took his place. So Denise, thanks for being on the podcast today. I know we haven't actually met face to face, but we, we did connect online a little while ago. I think our introduction came through your niece, Sarah Miles, who's just written her book Towards the Mountain, and I'll be speaking to her in a future episode. But it's it's great to be able to uh, sit down and chat with you today. The Mondo... The wonders of uh, technology, eh?
1: Absolutely amazing. <laughs> what part of the country are you in, Denise? I'm, I'm in the Taranaki area awesome. of
0: New Plymouth. Awesome.
1: Born and bred and here I am.
0: Yeah, good part of the country, eh?
1: Absolutely.
0: Now, your dad, Frank Christmas, uh, he was a passenger on the flight and I understand that he was uh, an amateur photographer, is that right?
1: He did. Absolutely loved his photography. Um, yes, wherever he went, there was a camera and, and a, around his neck, and um, so it was as he went to Antarctica as well. So, and I've got a daughter that actually has followed in his footsteps. So it's been amazing. But he was the photographer, and it's actually it was quite sad because when we came to look at the family photos, there wasn't really many of my dad because yeah. he stood behind the camera.
0: Actually, I must say, I, my nan probably wasn't an amateur photographer like your dad, but we discovered the same thing in looking for photos. It was like, oh, she's always the one taking the photo.
1: I know it's just really quite sad, really. But what the ones we did have are absolutely treasures, and we're very, very blessed to have them. And they're the ones that we look back on and say, oh, that was our dad.
0: There yeah. Was him. So tell me about your dad. What was his personality like? What sort of person was he?
1: He was the most fun-loving, very, very um, happy-go-lucky, take-the-shirt-off-your-back sort of person. Always there for people, no matter who it was. He was always there for us. We had an amazing upbringing and um, a true father. Um, he loved us. He, he was out doing sport with us all the time. We were surf lifesavers and we used to have to go to um, swimming every morning at 6 o'clock and in the car he would go and down to the baths we would go and bring us home again. Just that sort of person. And he just loved my mother, yeah. and which was Absolutely beautiful. So we've been very, very lucky to be, have been brought up in a loving family.
0: Oh, he sounds like a lovely dad. He was.
1: He was a builder. Yeah. And um, there's many, many houses in New Plymouth here that have been built by my dad. Um, and he was the old fashioned type. These days, everything's done for you. But he used to get out his pen and his, his um, squares and things like that. And he used to do all the plans himself. So he had a little office in his um, in at Mum's at, at our place, and that was Dad's little space. So we weren't allowed in there very often, uh, because all his tools and all his uh, of his trade were in there, and um, you know he couldn't be disturbed when he was doing this planning because it had to be correct. Mm. But he was very clever. He was a very intelligent, clever man. So yeah, very did blessed. He, did he used to
0: carry a pencil behind his ear.
1: Absolutely. <laughs> and, He never had a diary or a a notebook it was always on a piece of wood so he would would go to to ring up somebody and it was always been on a piece of wood I want this and that and everything else so a a true builder
0: yeah a real salt of the earth kind of number 8 wire kind of Kiwi (laughs) he sounds totally awesome what a fantastic dad
1: Oh, he was. And, and, I mean, there was three of us girls, and lo and behold, he got his son. He got Brett. And, oh, boy. He used to call us his harem because there was <laughs> mum and my three sisters, and then Brett came along. So he was absolutely delighted that he actually had another male in the house.
0: Denise, where do you come in the order of your siblings? Um,
1: second. second. I'm second. My, I've got so Raywin's my first um, sister, and then myself, and then Pauline and Brett. Yeah. So, um, yes, I'm in the middle.
0: And so how was it that your dad got to go on this amazing trip to Antarctica?
1: Well, um, oh, the month before, a friend of his called Alec Ellis was a plumber, and it was, it was a tradesman like Dad, and he he had gone on the same, the same journey, um, his adventure, and he came back and told Dad, and Dad was very adventurous. He loved to be, he was an adventurer. And he thought, wow, this sounds exactly what I'd like to do. He did ask mum several times, would you like to come with me? And she thought, no, that's the last thing I'd like to do. Um, so in those days, I think it was about $350 that was the airfare, which was a lot of money, and um, 40 years ago. And he gave mum the equivalent in an envelope before he left and said, right, you go to town and get all the Christmas presents. So mum and my auntie Joanne Humphreys went to town and had a ball. Mm. They bought all the Christmas presents for everybody. So, um, you know, whilst they were having fun, something was unfolding. I mean, we got the shock the same as everybody when it came over the news. You know, there was a newscast and it just came over that the plane, you know, that, that wasn't in contact and it was, you know, it's out of, now out of fuel and things like that. So we were glued to the TV and that's the only, that's, that's how we lived.
0: Mm. So were you still living at home then? What was happening in your life?
1: Yes. Well, I was married and I had a three and a half year old and a nine month old daughter. And uh, we're home with my husband, and I can tell you what I was doing right now. I was ironing, and I'd just finished the ironing, and I was going upstairs and putting it away. And my husband, Selwyn, came running up behind me and said, Oh, my God, your father's plane's crashed. And I said, Don't be so stupid. What a terrible thing to say. And he was actually laughing, like that grinning. But I know now that 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 was his terror. Actually I do understand that fully. and when I came down and saw that it wasn't you know he wasn't having me on because he was an absolute joke my husband and I thought that's a horrible thing to say, but I could see now that it was that that horrible um, you know trauma and terror that was on his face. Quite surreal to be honest and but I can still remember that.
0: So were you all in New Plymouth? like were you all were you in the same city as your mum?
1: Well, Raywin lived in Wellington. Raywan and Michael lived in Wellington and Pauline, my um sister, was actually at her with her fiance at her work day, work Christmas day, an early Christmas day. And um and Brett was staying with us. He was thirteen, so he was staying with us and um never been so traumatised as having to tell my brother the next morning that his father had died. It was really horrible. Um, yes, so Pauline um stayed with us, um, you know, overnight and and, of course, having to tell break the next morning it was just, yeah, it's just like it was yesterday. Yes. It's something I just can't, you know, I can't get over.
0: How did you find the whole thing of losing your dad and then you can't, it's just like, it's everywhere, it's in the newspaper, it's on the radio, it's on the TV. Like, you've got this private thing, but it's just being kind of broadcast to the world. How did you find that?
1: To be honest, horrendous. I really did, and no matter where you turned, who you've spoke to oh, I'm you know it was just brought up, and it always is every single year, even now, after forty years um, it was it was dreadfully hard um, I had a three and a half year old a nine year old and I had my husband who was working, so I had to carry you know I just carried on mm. and I had a mother then she came home, so we all looked after mum, so you know you put all your feelings and things aside to actually help. The situation as it is, yeah. and it wasn't until um, uh, no, uh, two thousand, I think, nine um, yeah, two thousand, that I actually hit the wall, and I wondered why. Yeah, and um, I actually went to counselling and things like that. And I'm not too, I'm so proud to actually be telling people this, um, and it, w- it was turned out that I had post traumatic stress syndrome, which you know, um, I just carried on for all those years. And, um, yeah, and then it just hit me like a ton of bricks. Yeah. Um, but that was okay too. That was okay because I got help. And, I'm, you know, I, I was a long time, but, you know, I'm really okay with it. And that's why I'm saying, you know, if we can help anybody along this journey, um, then we're all here to help people. That's what we do.
0: Yeah. Denise, i found in my family and from speaking to other families is that, I mean, for so many of us, we just didn't know what to do with it. So we kind of didn't do anything. Is that, would that be true for how you felt?
1: Absolutely. We did not know which way to go, where to turn. We were on a limb here in, in New Plymouth. Um, you know, it was all happening in Auckland. Um, so we never had a clue what was happening. We got, we, I think mum got a bunch of flowers and then the police came. And really, that was virtually all. So we were absolutely hungry for news. Um, as to, you know, where is Dad? Is he he one of the ones that have been identified? And it was really a long time. But once again, um, you know, we have found that we thought Dad was one of the last to actually be identified. But in in the truth coming out, no, he wasn't. He was actually identified on the 17th of December, um, but released to us, um, you know, just before Christmas. And being our name Christmas, yes, it was an absolute Christmas miracle, absolutely, that we did actually have our dad to come home, which we were very, very blessed.
0: Yeah, it certainly does make a difference um, getting the body of your loved one back, doesn't it? Well,
1: it does, because a lot didn't, you know, a yeah. lot didn't, and they are the people that I feel extremely sad for. Um, although we were extremely fortunate to have a funeral, and a coffin and things like that, and to bury him, a lot didn't. And that breaks my heart. It really does, because you need somewhere to go. um, You know, you need to know that that is your dad that, that you've just buried. And there's a lot that didn't, and that really hurts me still now.
0: So, Denise, fast-forwarding a little, I know that you were one of the people that actually, you got to go to one of the flights that in New Zealand put on to Antarctica. When
1: when was that? That was um, oh, just extremely blessed once more. I saw this little wee tiny um, article in the newspaper, in the Daily News here, asking for people, um, for you know, to, um, Expressions of interest that they were thinking about, you know, um, putting on this this flight to Antarctica. It was originally going to be 80 people um, and by ballot, but actually 104 ended up going. So I actually talked to Mum about it and I said, oh, I'd really like to go, and she said, Well, if you want to go, then you have my blessing. So I actually did apply and thought, Well, you know, if I if I actually am in the ballot and it comes out, well then that's really what it's meant to be. And lo and behold, on the 24th of September 2010, I actually got a letter from Air New Zealand to say that I'm very pleased to advise that your application to represent Hugh Francis Christmas was successful and that you were one of 80 immediate family members drawn in the ballot to travel to Antarctica. So I'm extremely, um, once more, very blessed that I was able to represent our family.
0: What was it like, Denise, when you got that
1: letter saying well, that you I had just been cried. accepted? I, I remember sitting in the car because I got the mail and I just sitting in the car and I just cried. And I thought, wow, this is exactly what I want. Uh, because I had, um, you know, hit the wall a little bit, and I thought, well, this, this might be just a little bit of what I need for healing, and um, I, I remember crying in the car, and I got myself together when I got inside, and I um, rung mum and told her, and she was very quiet on the phone, very quiet, and um, I said, are you okay, mum? And she said, yes, I am. I'm really thrilled for you, but I really hope you come back. <sighs> So that was on her mind, that she'd already been through a trauma and this was, you know, pretty close to that too. So, yeah, so that was really hard. It was really hard. But I I thought, no, I'm going to do it and I'm going to come back.
0: Indeed. And and what, what was it like? I mean, going to Antarctica, how incredible.
1: Wow. Talk about kings and queens. We were <laughs> flown from New Plymouth to Christchurch. And from there we were bussed to the Millennium Hotel and then it all started. Um, there was nothing spared, absolutely nothing spared. Um, Rob Fife at the time, he was an incredible CEO. Um, he he just explained to us what was going to happen. We were all put into groups and I was in Group A um, and Group A was the first one to leave the Millennium in a big bus to go out to the Antarctic Centre and we all had to be fitted out with all our clothing and And, you know, everything, boots, the whole work works. And the safety, we had to sit and have a safety um, video and everything like that. And we all had to try on these incredible, (laughs) um, very, very... uh, Well, they were huge. I looked like the Michelin lady. But um, it was so, so necessary because it was minus 15 degrees while we were down there. Um, So it was very cold. And, you know, you can understand why we had to go through all this. And then one by one, the groups came and then we all went back to the Millennium and then we were um, uh, shown to where we were going to sleep. And I was at the Quest, which was just right across the road from the Millennium Hotel, um, which was only a crisp, you know, it was wonderful, it was really great, and honestly, it was beautiful, it was really lovely, nothing that we needed we, you know it, we didn 't have to pay for a cent not a cent that we, did we have to pay for, and then we had to come back at five o 'clock for another more speeches, and then we had dinner at six o 'clock yep. and we were put at different tables, we were put all round of different people, so we got to mix and mingle, which was wonderful, so we met so many people. Um, that you know, it's just, wow, it was, it was mind-boggling, to be honest.
0: Now, Denise, the, the poem by Bill Manhire, Erebus Voices, I understand that that's really special to you. Can you tell me why?
1: Well, it is extremely special. Um, Bill Manhire is incredible. And um, as you know, it was read by Sir Edmund Hillary. Um, and it was just... I think the poem itself actually speaks about the whole of what happened. And to me, that was just absolutely... First of all, it was actually going to be a reading from the Bible, but they decided, no, they had permission, and they decided that they would read Erebus Voices. Um, And it was just... It was amazing, and absolutely so, amazing.
0: But they, but they asked you to read it. Is that Thank right?
1: God. That is just, a, and I still don't know why to this day. As I said, Tracy Palmer, the um, public affairs manager at Air New Zealand, just phoned me up one day and said, "Oh, would you be keen on um, reading?" It was was a, a reading from the Bible, and I said. Oh, okay. <laughs> so it just took me by surprise. Yes. And then it got to the stage where, oh look, we're going to do the um, Erebus Voices, and I said that would be a pleasure. So, yes. Yeah, so I had a lot of practices, um, and um, I'm sure it was okay. I'm sure it was um, I awesome. I did falter. I did. On the ice, I did falter, but um, the Dean um, um, of Christ Church Cathedral. He, uh, Peter Beck, he actually put his hand on my shoulder and I just felt peace and I could do it. And I thought to myself, I'm going to do it for my dad. And I did. And it was, I, was, I was very, once more, very blessed to be able to do it. Denise, would you
0: be able to read that for us now?
1: Certainly. Erebus Voices, The Mountain I am here beside my brother, Terra. I am the place of human error. I am beauty and cloud, and I am sorrow. I am tears, which you will weep tomorrow. I am the sky and the exhausting gale. I am the place of ice. I am the debris trail. I am as far as you can see. I am the place of memory. And I am still a hand, a fingertip, a ring. I am what there is no forgetting. I am the one with truly broken heart. I watched them fall and freeze and break apart. And this is called the dead. We fell, yet we were loved and we are lifted. We froze, yet we were loved and we are warm. We broke apart, yet we are here and we are whole. That's it.
0: That is so beautiful, and I know. The, the way Very you just beautiful. the way you just read that was so incredible. And I can imagine you reading that on the mountain, and how well it would have been hugely emotional for you. But actually, the, it would have been a beautiful experience for all those that got to hear it. Was. It was,
1: to be honest, there was not a dry eye at all from anybody um, there, and I think that's why I love it because it's so poignant you know it is so exact you know he's written this it's amazing absolutely Mm. amazing
0: yes I must mention a special thanks to Bill Mannhire I did uh, get his um, permission to have the poem in this podcast
1: that is wonderful because he's he's incredible it was just a beautiful um I, I still feel to this day that I'm extremely blessed to be able to do this
0: Yes, one thing I'm picking up from my conversation with you, denise, is that um yes, Erebus has been hard for you, but you've often mentioned the word blessing and you've obviously in the dark times you've 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 almost found some treasures it sounds like
1: i have i have yes i have um we are a Christian family, and um you know these things happen, and you know no one can blame we should never blame, but um I've learnt an awful lot. I have learnt to be um, forgiving and I've learnt to um, accept. Uh, It's been very hard at times, but I have. And I think if we do that and we love people the way we should, um, if only we could do that to every single person in this world, there would be peace in the world. There wouldn't be all this trauma and things that are happening at, at the moment. But I am... You know, I am truly, as I say, I am chosen, and I'm blessed, and I feel feel it. I really do. That, um, you know, this journey of mine and this adventure of mine has been absolutely incredible. Um, you know, we took some beautiful photos of of what I, should I say beautiful? but they were? They were incredible photos of Mount Erebus on our way home, um, which. It was just such a pristine and beautiful and calm and silent place. It was just serene. It really was. So if there was anywhere that my dad had to die, it could have been a car accident or a bus accident or anything. Um, I know it was horrendous, but if there was anywhere, it was peaceful. He wouldn't have known anything, and that is what's got me through right till now. Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: You know what, Denise? I just feel that your dad would be so incredibly, cr- incredibly proud of the woman that you are. Um, you're an articulate speaker. Uh, you're passionate, and you're an incredibly intelligent woman. And I, I have so enjoyed my conversation with you today. Um, it's been an absolute honour and a privilege to. Uh, have this conversation with you and for you to open up your heart and to share your memories uh, with me and to the people that are listening and um for me this is one of the gold golden situations of of this uh tragedy is that i get to actually connect with awesome people like you and I actually can't wait until i meet you face to face and i'm gonna oh, give Liz, i'm going to give you a big squeezy hug okay oh, <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is absolutely beautiful and I've, it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you so much for actually interviewing me. I feel once again extremely blessed. Here we go, blessed, blessed, blessed. But I do. I feel extremely um, honoured, to be honest. Um, And yes, my dad was the most amazing dad and I loved him to bits and I still do and I do. And I'm very, very fortunate to have had this journey, this adventure,
0: because um, not a lot have Thanks for listening to this episode of Erebus Engraved on Our Hearts. I'm Lizzie Oaks. Thanks to Scott Gillen, my audio engineer, and to Rima Media for their support. And special thanks to Bill Manhire for the inclusion of his poem, Erebus Voices. In the next episode, I'll be talking with Paul Gilbert, who lost his pop, Peter Tanton, who'd taken the scenic flight to Antarctica for his 60th birthday. To subscribe, go to Erebus Engraved on Our Hearts on iTunes, Spotify or erebusengravedonourhearts.com.